Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Rico Mohammed. This is the Rates and Lanes podcast the place where we give you actionable information to make your business better. Tonight we have a special guest host that's going to be dropping in really quickly. He's normally our resident legal expert, uh, but he wants to drop in and share some information with us. So if you are up and on board, I recommend that you grab a pen and paper, got some information that we want to disseminate, make sure that you get it, make sure you, you can take advantage of it, uh, so without any further ado, before I even jump into anything, we want to make sure we got this information out there. So let's go ahead and welcome on board our resident legal expert, Mr. Hank Seaton. Hank, how are you? Well, Rico, thanks for giving me this spot. Although it's August and Congress has gone home, uh, the bureaucrats are busy at it. We've got uh, a couple of issues that I wanted to cover. First of all, I think the hottest topic for uh, – uh, our listeners now is probably the ELD. We've been uh, pining over this thing for years, but there is really uh, an issue about whether the mandate will be delayed. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who wait until the last minute to uh, require the ELD, and there's just some confusion about it. As a result of that, we're having a, uh, a, a probably an hour-long uh, webinar on the ELD and what it will mean for your operation. Uh, this is kind of a save the date, get out ahead of the uh, of the crowd, and let you know that it's going to be on August 30th. It will be broadcast from 11 to 12 noon. But we got a little bit of a special deal for uh, uh, your listeners. Although uh, the sponsor TransComply is going to charge for it, we're going to make it free to uh, listeners. Uh, uh, if they will simply go on and register and can't make that 11 to 12 time frame, they will then get a link, a link so that they can listen to it at their leisure. Uh, I think it's going to be a good webinar. We're not trying to sell an ELD, so you're not going to get a push for that. But uh, the issues we're going to cover is does it apply to your operation, how it will affect your productivity and compliance packages, uh, how a carrier can adjust to the mandate to continue profitability, uh, how the FMCSA will use it in audits and investigations, which is a frightening issue, what are some things carriers should do in considering the type of ELD, and how likely is it the mandate will be delayed. We're going to have uh, three experts uh, tackle that. One is Jeff Davis with uh, Fleet Safety Services, who is the guru on the ELD, uh, how it works and what the problems are. Uh, secondly, we're going to have Avery Vice, who's president of TransComply and is the one who keeps up with all things Washington-based for TransComply. And finally, we're going to have Johnny Wagster, who is a client of mine and has made a real practical investigation of the types of ELDs and can talk about uh, the various costs involved and maybe the advantages of the tablet over the cell phone. So I think if you're uh, still perplexed about what you're going to do with the ELD, 
this might be a good opportunity to get some education. Just a, a couple of other quick issues I want to touch. Uh, the FMCSA has come down with a new preventability standard. Uh, they've broadened a little bit uh, the number of uh, accidents that you can remove from your uh, your website uh, if you can prove that they were preventable. Uh, this has a, a pernicious application. Uh, I think it'll be increasingly important, although it's just a test program that if you, you get dinged for an accident that's not your fault, you file a data queue and probably object to the whole process because uh, uh, the agency is all about publishing crash data as if you were responsible and preventability is not responsibility. So there are going to be issues in that regard. And then I think my final issue really is uh, whether or not you enroll for the ELD, and I'll give you the uh, email address. Uh, everyone is welcome to sign on to our monthly mailing list, which is a little bit of an in-depth explanation of how regulations and litigation affect small carriers. So that service is, is free too. If you got a pencil and piece of paper, I think uh, Rico will post this soon, but to join the webinar or get information, you would go to transcomply.com slash webinar dash members. That's transcomply.com slash webinar dash members. And there you can just put in your uh, your name and address, and you will be you'll be registered either to listen on the 30th or uh, thereafter to get notice to listen to the ELD webinar at your convenience. Also, we did another webinar with Rick Gobble about a month ago on the new carrier audit. If there's anyone listening who has filed for authority but hadn't been through the new carrier audit, you need to to uh, uh, there's an old saying about uh, proper prior planning preventing piss poor performance and those seven P's are things that you probably need to know so that you don't get a note from the FMCSA that says I need your information tomorrow. You've got it together. There are actually a, a large number of record keeping requirements and things that you need to have in your skill set that you can provide upon demand in order to be sure you stay in business or in compliance. So, Rico, with that, uh, that's about all I've uh, got to add tonight. Uh, hopefully some of this information is going to be helpful. My friends at the agency are still uh, on their same course of, uh, of uh, trying not to, to avoid giving small carriers a satisfactory safety rating, and we're trying to lobby them and Congress to see that all carriers, large and small, are certified and safe to operate so that you're not disadvantaged in your access to freight. But that, I'll save that for, for next Wednesday. Well, one more thing before I let you go real quick, Hank. I know that we talked, we spoke a little earlier, and we were talking about uh, how the owner-operator model is under under attack. Uh, did you want to drop some, drop some information on that really quickly before you got out of here, or you want to save that one? Yeah, uh, I think uh, most of, uh, of you uh, – have probably seen the uh, articles that appeared in U.S. Today and all of its local newspapers. There were four sets of articles, and among those uh, articles was the idea that everybody who is an independent contractor following 
the uh, the uh, uh, leasing their trucks to larger carriers are really an involuntary uh, servitude, and that Congress should right the situation by making everybody employees and taking away the uh, tax benefits that you get as an independent businessman. Uh, that's really a, a pretty uh, uh, much fake news. The people they got to support that were uh, uh, folks who uh, 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 probably shouldn't have been independent contractors to begin with. I think, as everybody knows, uh, if you're going to lease or own a truck, you've got a great chance to succeed, but you can also fail. They found a few guys that failed, and uh, uh, particularly on the West Coast, they're trying to make the argument that uh, everybody should uh, uh, should be an employee. Uh, it would really be helpful if uh, if people who uh, I think choose to be independent contractors because they want the American dream of getting ahead and are willing to speak out for that not being involuntary servitude. Uh, would either let me or Rico know, because sooner or later you guys are going to need to stand up for yourself to preserve the model. Uh, and, uh, and you know, I think we have this truth in leasing regulation that uh, uh, keeps the carriers honest, or at least it should. I'm not one that's advocating that you not go into a lease uh, owner-operator agreement with your eyes wide open. But I think it's been around for 40 years, and it needs to be around for another 40 because uh, there are success stories in the industry, and hopefully most of the people listening that are leased to carriers do so because it's, uh, uh, it's a whole lot easier than going out and getting your own authority and complying with getting your own insurance. It's a, it's a gateway to entrepreneurism, and I, I fear it's under, under great attack unless uh, – there's a defense made of that. So uh, that's that's another topic that that we're tracking. It's a it's a topic that we're trying to advocate the federal government to affirm because uh, they set in place all of these rules that created the independent contractor status. They just need to tell that to California and New York and a few other states that are trying to make it very difficult to have the independent contractor model. So uh, that's. Uh, uh, that's my point there. I, I'd love to know, Rico, in terms of the listeners, how many are like you and are operating under their own uh, license and insurance, and how many are, are owner-operators leased to other, other companies. Uh, because I think that the, the, the small business engine really includes both those kinds of, uh, of owners. All right. Well, Hank, we definitely appreciate you dropping in, sharing that information with, um, and we look forward to getting maybe digging into it a little bit more in depth next week. Okay, that'll be great. Have a good weekend, my friend. All right. Hey, we Bye-bye. appreciate it, Hank. Thank you. And so we got wanted to make sure we got that information into you guys first thing before I even got into anything at all. Our resident mentors on the line. He will be joining us momentarily. Mr. Chuck Snow. So if you got any questions about any of that stuff or if you got a question about how to improve your business a little bit better, some things that you could do, we definitely, uh, between myself and Chuck, can be your sounding board this evening to give you some information to try to improve your bottom line to make your business go a little bit better. 
But with that being said, no further ado, just want to remind everybody as well, if you have not uh, filed your MCS 150, you are late. I, I meant to have made an, an announcement, but we didn't have a show uh, last week. That's my bad. But you need to get on FMCSA. Go ahead and, and do your biannual MCS 150 if you have your own authority. Get that updated. Um, we have three more weeks left for you to 290. Just want to kind of give some uh, updates on some upcoming pending deadlines of things that you need to, to keep your um, keep your authority in good in good shape and in uh, good standings with the FMCSA. Lord knows there's enough stuff coming down, and we have enough stuff on our plate that sometimes some things may slip through the cracks. Um, with that being said, let's jump right over into this week's USDA report. wanted to um, show that I have this posted up on the Racing Lanes Facebook page. There are no areas that are showing any type of shortages or slight shortages of trucks. Most areas are reporting an adequate supply of trucks in those areas. Now, there are several areas that are reporting slight surpluses of trucks, those areas really quickly are Vidalia District, Georgia, Southern New Mexico, Texas, Mexico crossing through Texas, Columbia Basin, Washington. All of those areas that I just named off are areas where there is reported slight surpluses, which means uh, there are more trucks than there are loads in those areas. So if you are in those areas, uh, it's going to be a little bit tighter getting out, and if you're headed to those areas, make sure that you try to uh, get your backhaul going in with you so that you're not, when you come out a little thin, it'll balance itself out. Uh, that A copy of that report is up and available for your viewing pleasure on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page with Rico Muhammad. And without any other further ado, let's jump directly over to this week's trend lines report. August began with strong demand and rates. So July ended and August began with an unusually strong demand for freight. National average for vans and flatbed rates gained by three, three cents per mile and reefers added four cents per mile. The load-to-truck ratios for vans and reefers due partially to a boost in activity in the Midwest. So we're going to jump in and dig into this report a little bit closer we are going to take a look to see how dry van demand and capacity was reported for the week of July 30th through August 5th. August was off to a strong start last week with the highest load counts in almost two years on the top 100 lanes. Nationally, van load postings edged up 2% and truck postings declined by 3% to yield a 6% bump in the load-to-truck ratio from 52 up to 5.5 loads per truck. The national average van rate moved three cents higher compared to the previous week. Taking a look back historically, van load postings declined 13% from June to July, and truck posts lost 6% to yield a 7% dip in national load-to-truck ratio at 5.2 van loads per truck. The ratio was up 81% compared to July Moving right along, want to report that the national diesel price increased by 1.9% to a national average of $2.58 per gallon. We are going to take a look 
and move over to see how the fan rates were performing for the week of uh, for the previous week of July 3rd through August 5th. The national average fan rate increased three cents increased three cents to one dollar and eighty two cents per mile. Rates rose for freight handing uh heading into populated city centers, especially on lanes that originated out of Chicago, Columbus, and Buffalo, as well as other markets with retail distribution centers. Meanwhile, outbound rates and volumes cooled off seasonally in the southeast. Taking a look around the country for dry vans on the spot market, as we always start out in the northeastern portion of the United States, coming out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, we have $1.71 being reported on the spot market coming out of Philly, moving down into the southeast, coming out of Atlanta, Georgia for dry vans. We have $2.09 being reported on the spot market average. Moving up into the Midwest, coming out of Chicago, leading the country, showing average spot market rates at $2.15 per mile. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas, is reporting spot market rates of $1.74 per mile for dry vans. And moving out west, coming in second place nationally, spot market rates for dry vans at $2.12 per mile, coming out of Los Angeles, California. Historically, for rates, the national average van rate is down $0.01 cents in July compared to June. At $1.79 per mile, the rate is $0.16 cents higher than it was the average for July of 2016. Moving right along, jumping over into the flatbed portion of the report. Uh, let's see here. Flatbed load postings dip by 7%, 7%, while truck postings increased by 2%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to decline 9% down to 34 loads per truck. Still a very high load-to-truck ratio for this time of year. The national average flatbed rate moved higher compared to the previous week. Historically, compared to June, flatbed load postings declined postings declined by 5%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to fall 14% down to 37 loads per truck. Still a very high national average compared to July of 2016. The ratio has rocketed up by 156%. Let's take a look to see how the uh, rates were performing for flatbeds for the week of July 30th through August 5th. National average rates for flatbed increased by $0.03 up to $2.22 per mile, the highest weekly average in more than two years. The past year, have we have witnessed that flatbed rates have peaked in the second quarter, but 2017 looks different with rates holding during July and now starting to rise again into August. Rates moved lower in Harrisburg, PA, but showed biggest gains in Rock Island, Illinois, and Reno, Nevada. So historically, July flatbed rates rose $0.03 compared to June. The July national average of $2.20 per mile set a two-year record with a $0.27 cents increase over the rate of July 2016. Taking a look around the country, coming out of the northeastern portion of the United States, Harrisburg, PA being the representative city, showing average spot market rate of $3.21 per mile for flatbeds, 
moving down into the southeast portion of the United States, coming out of Atlanta, Georgia, $2.70 per mile on average for flatbeds, moving up into the Midwest, Rock Island, Illinois, showing $2.75 per mile on average for flatbeds, south central portion of the United States, we are showing $2.72 per mile on average for flatbeds. And coming out of Phoenix, Arizona, the West Coast, we're showing an average spot market rate of $1.82 per mile. And moving right along, jumping over into the reefer capacity and demand report. For the week of July 30th through August 5th, nationally, reefer load postings added 4% and truck posts lost 2%. That led to a 6% increase in the national load average, load to truck average ratio of 9.6 loads per truck. National average rate rose 4 cents per mile compared to the average rate for July. Historically, Following a strong June, reefer load postings declined by 16% in July, and truck postings declined by 4%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to dip 13% from 10.1 down to 8.8 loads per truck nationally, the second-highest monthly load-to-truck ratio this year compared to July of 2016. The load-to-truck ratio was up by 68%. So moving right along and jumping to see how the rates were performing for reefers. The national average rate for reefers increased $0.04 cents up to $2.12 per mile nationally. Rates have remained above $2 per mile for the past 11 weeks. The national load-to-truck ratio was also higher compared to the previous week. Historically, spot market rates declined $0.04 cents from their July peak to their second highest monthly average in two years for reefers at $2.08 per mile. The July average rate was 15 cents higher than it was for the average of July 2016. Taking a look around the country, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey checks in showing an average spot market rate for reefers at $1.72 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Lakeland, Florida being the representative city showing a $1.27 per mile average for reefers. Moving up into the Midwest, Spring Bay, Wisconsin, leading the country on the spot market at $2.88 per mile on average. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, coming out of the Rio Grande, McAllen, Texas, the representative city showing average spot market rates at $1.82 per mile. Wrapping up the report, coming out of Fresno, California, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $2.17 per mile. And before I let too much more of the show get away, uh, we want to go ahead at this time and bring on board our resident mentor. And I see we got... Um, Let's go ahead and grab Mr. Chuck Snow and bring him up and on board with us. Chuck, how are you doing, my friend? We're good. How are you doing, Rico? Uh, I can't complain. We're on the right side of the dirt, so that means we got an opportunity to still get it right. 
You got it. <laughs> I like your thinking. <laughs> so, Chuck, what's been going on with you? It's been a little while since we had an opportunity to touch base. What's what's new and what's ex- what you got new and exciting to report coming out from up there, up your way? Well, we're, you know, I'm, I'm sure as you can tell, because when the, the world is busy, we're busy. So we're real busy uh, between our offices in Toronto and Chicago and Milton, Ontario. And uh, I'm getting ready for GATS. I don't know how if you're going down this year. I'm actually, I decided to put a booth up at GATS. So if any of our listeners are going to be going down to Dallas to uh, attend the show, uh, please stop by and uh, say hello. I'd love to meet you. So I'm looking forward to that. There's a lot of preparation to do when you do a trade show. And I haven't, uh, I've attended a lot of trade shows but I haven't had a booth in a trade show in years and years. So there was a whole lot of work to do um, that I decided to do myself just because I'm one of those people. and I just wanted to uh, make sure it got done right. So looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to meeting a lot of new carriers, both large and small and owner operators. So uh, looking forward to that. And we are expecting a really, really big fall uh, season because we looks like we've won a lot of lanes on RFQs. That's worked out really good. So I'm expecting to be busy uh, for this to continue. It's been a phenomenal summer. Usually in our particular business, we do slow down a bit during uh, the summer, except in those boomer years. And I, you know, uh, I'm proud to say we're having one. And I think overall, other people I talk to in different segments of our industry, both brokerage houses and truck owners, everybody seems to be, you know, going at full capacity. Uh, biggest problem out there is there's, in most cases, there's just not enough trucks to cover the amount of freight. You know, unless you're in some of those areas where it's a little bit weak, which you mentioned. But other than that, uh, overall, I think, you know, manufacturing seems to be up. People are consuming. Uh, people are spending money. And all of that is good for us. You know, and when I say us, it's good for everybody in our industry. Absolutely. One of the things that we try, that I definitely try to stay away from, I, I you know, um, everybody has their own uh, political beliefs and everything like that. And then, but um, it's kind of with, with the everything that happened over the past couple of days, there's a lot of saber rattling going on uh, between, of course, our country and and uh, and, and the North Korean regime. And uh, I'm not quite sure how that's going to turn out. Hopefully, you know, um, everything, you know, cooler heads prevail and things kind of stay as normal. Uh, but the one good thing that um, that we have been experiencing is that the um, the stock market is, has been really been booming. Uh, things have been going well for businesses, which means, you know, that, it, you know, that, that's a really a good indicator for our industry, of course, as well. Um all of that different stuff going on, it, it's um, uh, that 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 kind of has me a little bit on edge, a little bit leery because I'm not quite sure how to read the TDs on that. Because uh, yeah, th- th- just hoping that cooler heads kind of pre- prevail on that whole that whole situation. Um, are you guys seeing any effects of that? I know some of that by you guys being up in Canada. Um, are you guys seeing any effects of that? And just before you answer that, Chuck, just just remember that little piece. I I, I probably didn't give you a a proper introduction because we got a few new people that may be listening in to the podcast and they're like, well, who is this Chuck guy? 
And, and for those who don't know, uh, Chuck is kind of like our resident mentor. He brings a lot to the table. So if you have a question on something about your business that you might need some advice on, Chuck brings years of experience to the table as far as owning uh, his own motor carrier uh, and also owning the oldest brokerage house out of Canada. So he has both hats. Uh, he can he can give us a perspective from both the motor carrier side and both uh, and also from the broker side. And uh, and Chuck is kind of like um, you know he he's 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 an old soul. He, as they say, he puts it where the goats can get it. He doesn't give you any um, anything that you can't to use. What he the information that Chuck gives you, you can just about take it to the bank and and, it, and it'll you'll definitely reap the benefits from that. So I just to try to give you a little bit of a better introduction for those who may not be familiar with you, Chuck. Uh, now I'll, I'll turn the floor over to you. Thank you. Don't, make, you know, uh, my, my mother wouldn't <laughs> even have said it that well. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, sir. But yeah, so but, so anything? Are you guys being affected from the uh, from all of the new developments in the news with the? With the different things that are going on, as far as like I say, with the uh, the, the war talks and everything from uh, um, the, on the political landscape, not really. Um, we're a little bit far removed from that right now. The only thing that is going on right now politically up here is uh, to do with that is there was a uh, a minister, a uh, I don't know what religion it's, it's some sort of Christianity, I believe. Uh, from Canada that was of Korean origin that we ended up in North Korea and he got, I believe it was a life sentence for, uh, for working against their, their regime. And somehow miraculously in the last couple of days, the Canadian government after him being locked up, uh, I believe it was a life sentence and he was locked up for the last uh, number of years and a delegation of six people, and one of them very connected to our prime minister uh, went over there and they were able to negotiate freedom. And I did hear a, a, you know, a blurb tonight on the radio that our prime minister was involved possibly, and this came from the highest office in the country, and there may be a deal that may have been made. Now, who knows what that means? Because in both of our countries, deals are made behind closed doors, and we're just told what people want to tell us, whether you want to call that fake news or whatever. Um, the government tells you what, what they want the media to know at the end of the day. So we really don't know, but I can tell you that for the most part up in Canada, uh, things seem to be rolling along fairly well economically. We've got some tragedy in the, uh, in the West Coast where we've got these forest fires that are uh, between, uh, mostly in British Columbia, I think there's some in Alberta too, um, and our whole prairie area, which is, uh, you know, Alberta, uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, uh, they've been suffering a tremendous drought, as has British Columbia. Um, and as a result, we've got forest fires, the farmers have lost crops. It's It's been rough in that part of Canada. But as far as the rest of Canada, things seem to be rolling around, you know, along pretty well economically. People are spending money. People are going places. It's Canada's 100, 150th birthday this year. So an awful lot of Canadians, rather than taking their summer holidays and going down to your country, 
decided to stay home and spend money in Canada, which also helps. So, you know, it lines everybody's pockets. So we haven't, getting back to your question, we haven't seen any direct results of the rhetoric going on uh, between North Korea and the rest of the world. And uh, as you said it so eloquently, cooler heads shall prevail, we hope, um, because, you know, these guys are playing with real guns. Uh, it could be, <laughs> this could be real bad. So, and I lived right. through part of those threats when I was a child in the uh, late 50s and early 60s, and I remember having an air raid siren go off in our grade three classroom, and the, the look of fear on that teacher's face, I'll never forget it. Um, you know, and it was just an accident that that air raid siren went off. But, you know, I remember, and I was just a, you know, just a, a real small youngster, but I remember all the talks about, you know, the, the Cubans and the, uh, and the Russians coming to get us and everything else. And it was, you know, that was the talk of the dinner table. And who knows what really happened? We'll never know. You know, there's, uh, there's all sorts of conspiracy theories out there. Uh, hopefully this is one, and, and they're not really uh, as anxious to threaten each other and press buttons as, as what they're saying. Who knows? Uh, but it is, it, you know, for those of us that don't know any better, this is very scary. Right, right. And before we go any further, uh just got a note. I got reminded I didn't give a chance to give the uh, bad broker report. Someone's waiting for the bad broker report. I'm going to go ahead and get ready to give that out. Uh, but for everybody else that's listening on the line, if you got a question about anything when it comes to dealing with rates, uh, lanes, or anything like that, you can go ahead and press number one. That will put you in the queue for us to get your call screen and bring you up and on board. We haven't had an opportunity to do the show in, in, a, in a couple of weeks, and my apologies on that. I've been having a good bit of stuff going on personally. Hopefully we're trying to get some stuff wrapped up to where we can uh, get that get, the, get that whole situation rectified. But we're going to go back up until uh, uh, 2017. I'm not going to be able to go all the way back, but I'm going to go all the way go back to 7 20, 2017 and bring you up to date as to right now who all are on the radar as far as the bad broker report is concerned. Um, starting out, number one on the list, uh, Vistar Logistics LLC. That MC number for Vistar is 998-118. The FMCSA shows that surety bond is scheduled for cancellation on 8-10-17, which is tomorrow. Over $5,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. They are considered an extreme risk. RT Logistics, Inc., their MC number is 843-325. FMCSA shows that trust fund is canceled. Over $7,000 in active non-payment complaints have been reported. They are considered an extreme risk. Professional Transportation Consulting, Inc., their MC number is 752-461. Surety bond counseled over $18,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. They are also considered an extreme risk. USA Motor Lines, Inc., MC number 324-160. FMCSA shows that surety bond counseled on 7117 over $32,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Extreme risk. IGH Logistics, Inc. MC number is 
283 Over $13,000 in non-payment complaints, they are considered a high risk. Basic Enterprise, Inc., MC number 512341. Over $8,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. They are considered a high risk. Basic Enterprises, Inc., MC number 512341. So that, I'm, I'm sorry, they got them on here twice. Over $8,000 non-payment complaints have been reported considered a high risk. Jay-Z Expedited Logistics LLC. MC number is 865-312. I mean, excuse me, 865-319. That's 865-319 is their MC number. FMCSA shows surety bond is canceled. Over $14,000 in active non-payment complaints have been reported. CART Transportation, Inc., MC number, good God Almighty, 005777. That is, again, that MC number is 005777. FMCSA shows surety bond canceled over on 8, it's scheduled for cancellation on 81917. Over $12,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Burbex Enterprise, Inc., their MC number is 245-904. Surety bond is canceled. Over $26,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. IGH Logistics, Inc., they make it another appearance on the, on the report. Uh, 728-283, over $16,000 non-payment complaints have been reported. EMR Logistics, Inc., MC number is 847359. FFCSA shows trust fund canceled over $58,000 and active non-payment complaints have been reported. Smith Trans Inc. MC number is 536643. FMCSA shows surety bond is canceled over $23,000. Non-payment complaints have been reported. Maywood Freight Company Inc. Their MC number is 022243. Again, 022243. FMCSA uh, shows trust fund scheduled for cancellation on 82017. Over $23,000 in non payment complaints have been reported. They are considered an extreme risk. And last on the list, MNS Logistics, I mean, excuse me, MNS LLC are certified logistics. That MC number is 899-797. They have over $53,000 in non-payment complaints that have been reported. Uh, there are multiple reports that are being filed that certified logistics is filing for bankruptcy. So with that being said, if you happen to be have them as an outstanding debtor, um, go ahead and Get your get your paperwork filed. Um, this is this is we kind of throw this out here the bad broker report just to kind of remind everybody, especially our listeners, make sure that you are doing all of your due diligence when you are getting ready to extend credit to someone. If you're not sure what you should be doing, if you're not sure how um, how to vet a a a, a potential um, broker or shipper, 
Uh, Chuck, you want to give us some indications on some things that people need to make sure that they're doing so that they don't get caught up in this uh, quagmire and stuff. Yeah. I see going to come to you in just a second. Yeah, that's what you have to do, really. You have to do your due diligence, but sometimes it's very hard because you are stuck somewhere. You're in one of those awful places with no freight and somebody offers you a loaf. And I'm not a huge proponent of the factoring industry, but I work with them and they are they're necessary for a lot of us in this industry, those that don't have uh, banks or that aren't self-funded. And this is where you want to really work with a factoring company is on these one-offs. If you can work with uh, two or three good brokers or five good brokers that you know, and then when you get these one-offs that when you're stuck somewhere, uh, that's when you want to use your factoring company if you can, and you sell that accounts receivable and you take your 5% hit. And I think a lot of times you're better off. And if these people... If their credit is that bad, then even the toughest factoring company that charges the most and the most unreasonable will tell you right away, hey, Joe, uh, we're not buying this one. And if the factoring company's not going to buy it, then you don't want to haul it. And I want to just dovetail into one other thing. Most owner-operators and small trucking companies get into trouble with most of these crooks out there because they go into unknown territory, and that's where – you and I have talked about it a thousand times. If you run a particular lane back and forth all the time, you won't have to deal with these people that aren't going to pay you as a rule. You'll, you'll have steady brokers that will be more than happy to load you. It's when we end up in places like South Texas and Phoenix in the middle of the summer where there is no freight or in, the, uh, in Washington State with a dry down in the middle of the summer and there is no freight that so we are forced to take loads from companies like these, and that's where you get burned. And the unfortunate thing that that I've seen on that report, there was a few, quite a few low, low MC numbers, and that's always concerning because the lower that MC number means that they've been around for quite some time. And, uh, I mean, some of them, a couple of those guys, I mean, that was way down on that MC number. Uh, list that that shows that they they kind of been around almost since the beginning of time almost. Yeah, and and what happens there, Rico, is they either they'll lose a customer customers one way or another. Uh, they may have lost their sales forces. They didn't keep up on things. And when the salespeople leave, they take the business, and this is what's left. The you know, uh, and you also have brokerage houses that don't charge enough for their service and this is the result there's you know and i think we've mentioned this a couple of times before where there's some talk out there about legislation for brokerage houses to be only able to take a certain uh percentage but that doesn't work because of the overhead you've got to pay a lot of money to salespeople, and when you don't cover your overhead you end up on rico's list so what you want is you want to work with brokers. Well, you want to work with brokers that are going to make money and be healthy. And I always said that when I was working in our fleet and a broker offered us a load. And if it was, if it was enough money for me as a carrier to do the work, uh, whether it was because it was coming back from an area where I could afford to uh, take a little bit less, I'm fine with that because that guy's got to eat too. And maybe I made my money on my down my downhaul. 
But at the end of the day, we are seeing more and more of this. We're seeing an awful lot of these older numbers, which is, is scary, but it's from people that have lost their businesses, you know, or they've lost their customers. Customers go elsewhere. Customers close. Customers get bought out. Customers go with larger brokerage houses because they have a larger depth of scope and they can do more for them. And that's why people end up on the on the bad broker list. And in any business, Absolutely. whether doesn't, doesn't matter what it is, you've got to always keep your eye on the prize. And, you know, a lot of times maybe some of these old numbers are people that did very well and made a real good living and they got lazy. Instead of being in their office, they were, you know, they were out on the golf course. And you can't run a business that way. I don't care what business it is. It, and that's the result. Get complacent. You got Absolutely. Let's grab, let's grab Steve really quickly. He's been patiently hanging on with us. Let's go grab Steve. Steve, you're up and on board with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hi, Rico and Chuck. We appreciate the show. And, uh, uh, Chuck, I have a question. I know uh, capacity is a little tighter right now. The harder to find the trucks right now. Uh, I run all contracts, right? I'm, I'm with Landstar, but I have uh, I have th- I have a triangle every week. I run two of the loads are the same loads I run each and every week. Uh, the third leg is uh, out of the northeast, so I've got several different loads I run out of there. I know that rate's not going to be as good, but my other two rates are outstanding already. But one of them, I, I just, it's a contract rate, but I just got an 84 cent raise in it. Uh, and she said that they're saying they can't get trucks. They wanted her as an agent to take on more uh, lanes. So the the hard lane from North Carolina to upstate New York, uh, I was already getting 290 a mile. I'm up to 374 now. Are you seeing Whoa. contract rates starting to move? Uh, like that in other, I mean, everywhere? I mean, is, does, in other words, does the tightness in the spot market, will that affect a lot of the contract rates going forward if it stays tight like like that one lane I've got? Well, number one, it is, uh, we are talking about middle of the summer. You've got melons uh, coming out of the Carolinas. Um, but I do think that as capacity shrinks, and I think it will, uh, I think that will migrate itself over to contract lanes because any good traffic manager or logistics manager for a company, his number one job is to keep the supply chain open without any interruption. These plants cannot afford to shut down because they do not hold inventory. And as a result, that works out as a bonanza for some of us where you're getting yeah. this, you know, these type of, Rates And, of course, one of the reasons you're getting that rate into upstate New York is, um, number one, nobody wants to go to upstate New York except our friend George who lives there, um, our other oh. resident mentor. <laughs> yeah. um, and the reason is because there's nothing out of upstate New York. If you spent any time there, um, you know, that's the, that's the start of the Rust Belt is, is in through there. Um, you know, all of these plants that manufactured all sorts of things through the years, they're all gone. Um, you know, Kodak and all these mills and everything else, it, you know, they're all mothballed. So when you get up to upstate New York and you're in a place, you know, between somewhere between Rochester and Syracuse, how the heck do you get out of there? You know, you've got to go, maybe you can run over to Buffalo and get a cheap load of something, but even out of there, there's still 
you know, I, I know most days out of Buffalo, there are more trucks than there are loads. So that's why you're getting so yeah, much money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah. And that, I think that helps. I think that does help me by where it's going into. I have worked out like four different loads out of the Northeast. That all of them pay me better. I mean, I pay better $2 a mile now with Landstar. You know, I'm giving them their cut. Uh, but $2 yeah. a mile out of the Northeast is outstanding anyhow. But it's mostly either hazmat or very high-value uh, defense freight, things like that. I've got all the, I've got all the, you know, all the uh, certifications and everything. So, I, so uh, but, yeah, I, I do, do do that. Now, my third leg is, is out of an area of upper Midwest back to North Carolina, but it's a great lane already, light freight. I'm on it right now, 270 a mile. You know, it's good freight, and it's downhill. I uh, got a tailwind. I get nine miles to the gallon going home with that. Ooh. So, uh, so you know, so wow. that, it works good. I mean, it works good. I'm, I'm home three nights a week, and uh, even after Landstar's cut, I'll, I'll do about 4,500 a week, out five days and four nights. So, uh, but that just helped my, my that up, that load going to upstate New York going up that much. Uh, you know, another 300 some dollars a week. So, uh, right. you know, so, so hopefully more, hopefully more of the contract freight will, will do this same thing as as capacity does tighten. I think the ELD oh, mandate is going to tighten capacity with that too. So hopefully we're looking at some higher rates if that chaos comes at the end of the year. So same well, way. Everything, you know. You're right. It's uh, it's the ELD that we're going to have some chaos there. Um, you know. It, it, definitely going to be chaotic we have uh there's you know it seems like there's an awful lot more drivers closer to my age and i'm 64 uh than there is 21 um you know young guys don't want girls don't want to take this you know take these jobs anymore they're not the uh you know there's no uh it's just not as uh it's not as much fun for them as, as as it was for us um when we were 21 it's just a uh it's a different world, and uh, yes, because it of that, is. Yeah, and, and with you know these people are uh, they're watched a lot more than we were when we were their age, um, and we did have freedom of the road. I think we can any of us that are over the age of fifty or fifty-five can certainly reminisce with the good old days of you know back when we had all sorts of freedom that today's drivers don't. And what somebody said one day, which I thought was uh, pretty profound. Uh, in, in some ways, being a truck driver is like being a prisoner, except the scenery changes. Um, and yeah. there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> uh, you know, you're locked in a box for, you know, for 11 hours a day. And it, it's yeah. a lot of responsibility. There's a, uh, and I don't want to go too far away from the subject, there was a great blog today that if anybody gets a chance to read it, it was a short blog, but it was done so well by our friends at C.H. Robinson. And it was on depression in, uh, you know, emotional depression suffered suffered by drivers. And it's something that we never heard of years ago because I think drivers were happier then. Now, maybe they were happier because they were self-medicating. Uh, there's, you know, that was back in the 70s. I think they were pretty happy. Uh, but, um, yeah. You know, you, you've got all of this stress on drivers today, and, and a lot of them don't want to stay on the road. And they'll take, you know, you look at the unemployment, the real unemployment figures in both our countries, and 
you'd think, well, why don't those people want to get into truck driving? We're, we're looking for drivers, and they don't. Um, and that, might, that says an awful lot about our industry because you would think yeah. it pays pretty good. You know, even, even some of the beginner trucking jobs, they pay pretty damn good. Um, but oh, people yeah. don't want to do this. They'd rather be unemployed than do the work we do. So I do think that we're going to have some chaos here as people our age, you know, decide they're either by their own uh, choice or the doctor's choice or the company's choice that it's time to give it up. And yeah, uh, so, the, you know, uh, FM, the, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It, well, yeah, yeah the, they're going to the, start. Uh, the medical, the medical, uh, uh, the FMCSA since 2014 has uh, disqualified over 270,000 drivers through not being able to continue their medical card. So you know that's a lot of it right there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them are there's being forced out. 000, at, yeah. There's 200,000 drivers that are out of trucks. Um, you know, the only thing that's going to, unfortunately, and uh, the only thing that's going to save our industry, really, are autonomous trucks. You know, they've got to bring them on quicker, really, because nobody wants to drive <laughs> these things anymore. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I've loved it. I, I, hey, I changed from accounting 36 years ago driving, and I've loved it ever since. Uh, I did that out of necessity, recession back in 81. I was a cost accountant for Cummins at the time, and uh, I had to go to work. I had a baby on the way. So I went to drug driving school, and I'd have been bored to death in a damn office all my life. So for me, it's been great. And uh, so uh, I like it. But uh, I, I agree, most people are not happy out here as I am. <laughs> no, they're not. And, you know, even listening to your voice, I can hear the passion uh, in your voice about what you do. And that's rare today because, you know, I have an awful lot of drivers that come in and they, they drive trucks for a living, either owner-operators or company drivers, but they do it for a living. They don't do it from passion. You know, there's only a couple, yeah. of, uh, a couple of guys in our fleet that are passionate about it. The rest are they're professional truck drivers. I will not take that away from them, but they're doing it because that's how they make their living, not because they love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Man. So, well, we appre- we appreciate your uh, contribution uh, to Rico's show and Rico's, uh, you know, his contribution uh, to the industry with this show too. So, well, we appreciate everything you do. You know, you're out there every night. Yeah. All right. Thank All right, you. Steve. Well, we appreciate we appreciate the phone call. With no further ado, let's go and grab. Let's pick up Rodney. Rodney has a question for us. Riding you up and on board with Rico and Chuck, how can we help? Uh, how you doing, Rico? Thank you for taking my call. Probably uh, I was with Lance. With- yes, sir. I was uh, with Landstar for three years, and I just got my authority about two months ago. And I guess my question is, number one, it's thank you, <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, number one, it, it seems like quite a bit of compliance issues, that, uh, back office stuff that Landstar was doing that I didn't know. And I'm kind of just oh, yeah. try- <laughs> I'm trying to stay in compliance as much as possible. I got my first DLT inspection the first week out, and they found a couple things for vehicle maintenance on my CSA. I guess really my main question is I'm having a hard time pricing loads. I'm using DAT, the load board, and I'm noticing sometimes I'm getting 
let's say a quarter of a mile above what a DAT 15-day average is, and at times I quote that average, and brokers are laughing at my face like you're crazy. That's that's insane. And then I'm checking the the well, trucks what, going what, in what versus the to? loads coming out, and I feel well, like I'm not pricing myself. Is the rate the way, what you're doing? What's happening to you is, and and that's um, you know I, I understand your I understand your pain because I know exactly what you're going through. I know because on part of the load board. And and sometimes I think that does this for um, how do I well it's your it's it's up to you to make sure that you're educating yourself what you're doing by trying to listen to the podcast and learn the different things that you need to know. The on on a portion of DAT's low board, they will put out that rate information, which is basically a contract rate. That's not a true spot market rate, which is why you are um, you know when things are really uh, uh um a couple of years back um when things were just really really booming uh you you could basically use those contract rates and and, and get and get those rates now uh spot market rates are a little bit more different they 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 are a little bit more volatile and just to give you a quick little brief overview when we're talking contract and spot cuz the, the information that we share here off of DAT's uh, trend lines report, that's actual uh, spot market rate information. Um, the spot market is, is just like imagine the uh, imagine the, the U.S. United States Stock Exchange where you see all the guys jumping up and down on the floor and they're bidding on prices of different companies and, and how the, the pricing of a company can drop overnight or drop in within a few minutes. Well, that's right, basically, right. in a nutshell, how the truck rates can can actually perform as well. Depending upon the supply and demand in those particular areas, you know, if, if you have a, well, say, say, for instance, if you will take watermelons, you've got, you got watermelons that are moving in one area, that's going to, they're going to demand for a lot of trucks, so that's going to shoot the price in that in that particular market sky high. But once, once that harvest is over with, then that bottom is going to fall out of that market, and now the rates are going to drop like a, I mean, going to drop like a like a hot potato all the way back down to where they were before, if not even lower than that, because now there's a glut of trucks in that area. So that's why you always want to be conscious of uh, low to truck ratios to, to, to try to get an indication of how many trucks are in that area. So because that's your competition, that's what you're going to be facing. You're dealing with the low board. Now the way to, to kind of circumvent and get yourself out of that quagmire. Um, begin to start soliciting customers in your local area. Begin to try to look for people that are shipping stuff in areas that you want to go to. So you can design yourself. You want, you want to do some research on a particular lane. You may want to only go one place that's a day's worth of driving away and turn them right back around and come back, come back home. We call those dumbbells here. You know, theoretically, we call that a dumbbell. And, and, right. and if, once you kind of perfect the dumbbell model, then you may want to add a third leg onto it and have yourself what's called a trial. But I would advise you, you know, since you since you have your authority, go ahead and start looking. That gives you the opportunity to solicit those local businesses to be able to uh, position yourself to offer them a more customized service. And that's what you want to present to them. You want to present to them something customizable. That gives you the ability to not only say, okay, this is to get yourself a good contract rate. But now when you start customizing different things, and that, that added, that, 
a fancy word that a lot of people will use is value added. What kind of value added services can you add to your customer? And you and, and you can pick up on different things just by going in and you have a conversation with them and you listen to them. Listen to what it is that they want. Listen to what it is that they are asking for. Be a problem solver for them. Whatever that it is that they seem to be something that they don't have or something that they really want to be able to add to provide to their customers. So, you know, kind of give yourself uh, or memorize a list of different things that you can do to kind of take when you're talking with your potential uh, customer that can take you down that road that well, they'll begin to reveal more stuff. The more questions that you ask, the more quality questions that you ask to your potential customer to help them reveal more and more about their operations, then that gives you a clue onto more and more things that you can bring to the table that you can add to add to your services to kind of push your uh, uh, rate per mile up as well. Uh, Chuck, is it anything that I'm missing that you might want to jump in and throw in to kind of help help out with this one? Well, Rico, I, I got to tell you, you said that so beautifully and eloquently. You uh, you said everything. The only thing I want to add. Uh, for Rodney here is that you may want to just to to get started with this. It is very difficult to uh, to make those sales calls, especially when you're trying to operate a truck at the same time. So to get yourself started, um, what you want to do is pick some uh, some freight brokers on both ends and see if you can make arrangements for loads so they know that you travel from, you know, and let's just say whatever your lane is. Do you have a lane that, you, that you're running right now? Um, no. What I'm doing is kind of chasing the money, and I know that's the wrong well, thing that's to not, do. You're not. <laughs> you're, you're stop chasing the money because, you, you know, you can't run a business that way. It's not sustainable, and there's no right. future in it, especially with the new laws coming out. You're going to end up, mark my words, keep doing that. <laughs> and you call Rico and I exactly uh, a year from now, and I want to know how many times you got taken from these bad brokers from the bad broker report. That, that, when I listened to you guys discuss that, that was very fearful, and I have the list of every single one you guys mentioned. Um, outside of Florida and the Northeast, yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to chase the money within the Midwest to the Southeast. But I live in West, live? Texas, West Texas, El Paso. You live in West yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. Okay. It's, it's uh, well, like what we're well, going to get. What, what you do is we got the only thing line of other trucks. What you need, Rodney, throw down a gun, throw, throw down a, a, a 50 to 100 mile radius. There's, there's definitely somebody within that 50 to 100 mile radius right there in your backyard that you can potentially start to do business with. And, and, and the way that you're going to, you know, like I said, you want to value. You want to go in and throw yourself as a value-added proposition. Uh, and and, you, and the only way that you can basically do that when you when you're going in, be be prepared to hear no a lot. That's fine. But every right. no that you hear gets you closer to your first yes. But be prepared and to go in and talk to a couple of people and 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 make sure that you are you're going to tell them, hey, I can be here every other day. You know what I'm saying? That's why I say get you something where. You can go out, deliver your freight, get you something coming right back. That way, right. you got that frequency. Because if you don't have that frequency there, you really, you really, uh, um, you really don't 
give them any value. The value that you're talking that you're going to try to sell them on is, hey, you're going to be dealing with me. You're going to have an actual person that you can call on that's going to be uh, um, responsible with your freight. And, and I can give you, you know what I'm saying, up to date. Uh, you know, everybody's talking about, uh, um, I, I can give you, uh, um, you know, the biggest thing now, like microphone and everything like that. Well, hey, you don't have to even do all that. Just give me a call. Text me. And, and I can tell you exactly where I can tell you, you know what I'm saying, you, you'll actually be speaking with me. You don't even have to go through and ping anything. You'll actually be talking to a live human being that, that's responsible for your freight. And, and, and you develop and cultivate that relationship. Because in business, all that's, that's basically all it's going to boil down to is how well you can develop a relationship with somebody because they're going to want to do business with someone that they trust and that they like. So if you can get yourself, right. you know, somewhat of a likable person, then that, that's half the battle. Rodney, how far west are you from Dallas or Houston? 600 miles from Dallas, 770 miles from Houston. Okay, so what you want to do... I'm closer to Phoenix. Phoenix is 400 miles away. Okay, well then, all right, if you're closer to Phoenix... I I think you might have better luck out of Dallas. I think you might have better, as far as return load. I think, uh, what type of freight are you doing? Drive-in or are you doing, uh, what, what type of freight? Yeah, I, I think you might have better look out of out of out of as yeah. far as uh, yeah. of the amount of freight, and, and and that gives you the opportunity. To, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Chuck, but I just, when he said that, I, I didn't think about that. But try to initially, if you if you got the money to do, try to have you one day during the week where you take off during a business day, and dedicate that one day to sales. Whether that and I would try to fluctuate that one day, whether it be one day in my home area and then one day on the other end of my dumbbell. And that gives you the opportunity, you know what I'm saying, start to start marking the potential people that you want to go talk to and maybe try to set yourself up, schedule yourself an appointment to really go in and, and have an opportunity to introduce yourself. Take your suit with you uh, uh, on the road so that you can go in and, and, and do those things when you're talking to somebody on the road. You can, you know, you can rent your car on the other end of, of on the other end of your dumbbell or whatever. But, but you know, just trying to think outside of the box. Yeah, right. Rod, Rodney, um, I want you to take your. You got a pencil with you or a pen? I do. Okay, I want you to call me tomorrow. Uh, I want to talk to you about something. I may have an opportunity for you. Uh, eight hundred. There you go. Three eight eight. Four three five two. And my extension is 203. You got to press 203, or you go through. You'll go through 110 people in the office. Um, give me a call tomorrow sometime. If you don't get me, it just means I'm on the other line or away from my desk for a minute. Leave a, ma- a voicemail message with your phone number. I'll call you back. I may have something for you uh, that you can work with out of Dallas. Oh wow. Awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, sir. Thank you. Oh, no. Thanks for calling in. Yes, sir. I appreciate both of you. Thank you also, Rico. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys. Hey. We appreciate it, Rodney. Thank care. you. Good luck to you. Uh, well, thank you. We're way, in over, we're way in overtime. appreciate the phone call there, Rodney. We're way in overtime. We're not no, no longer recording, but I wanted to make sure that we took some time. We, got, we still got a people listening on, so if you stayed on board, to listen on, then maybe you got some value out of that conversation as well. Uh, but for people that are staying on listening, Chuck just gave out his information. If you don't mind, Chuck, tell the good people again how they can get in contact with you. Yeah, if you need me, uh, you can just call me. 
I'm going to repeat this. My extension is 203, and the phone number is 800-388-4352. Give me a call. I answer all phone calls. If you leave a message, I'll call you back, and I'll help you solve your problem. And we have an office in Chicago. If you need freight out of there, let me know, and I'm going to put you in touch with the right people in my Chicago office as well. And, and and that's the value, you know, that's the value out of guys listening in and, and Chuck being a resident mentor. That's something that, that you know what I'm saying, we appreciate. We definitely appreciate that and value the relationship that we have with Chuck and, 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 uh, and our other uh, experts that we try to bring on the show, such as Hank Seaton. That's why we try to bring these guys on the show to kind of give our people an inside track. That's why with the exclusive webinar offer that Hank was talking about earlier in the show, that's something that you're not going to get everywhere. That's something that we, we, we're trying to work to try to uh, make sure that we can deliver. A couple of other value-added services for you listening, taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to the podcast. We definitely appreciate all of your support and everyone listening in. And with that being said, uh, Chuck, we definitely appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on board and share some information with us and, and, make, and connecting a few dots. And we'll talk with you again, my friend, very soon. I look forward for the rest to it. Of you guys, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, sir. And for the rest of you guys, ladies and gentlemen that are out there listening, we want to thank uh, Kevin and Lisa Brother for providing us the platform to bring this show to you. And, of course, we want to thank back um, our call screener, Miss Ayana, back, uh, back down in Atlanta for screening phone calls for us, taking time to do that. And we'll see you guys, God willing, same place, same time next week. Be safe out there, everybody. Keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise, and we'll talk to you next week. God bless you, and good night. Good night, Joe. Good night, Joe. Be safe. Bye.